Hello and welcome to the first episode of the Tool Assisted Podcast, the podcast all about tool assisted speedrunning. This is your host, the 8 Bit Beast. I've called this episode zero because it's a little bit different to what the other episodes will be like, and it's more of an introduction. Without further ado, let's get started. I will be talking about what a tool assisted speedrun actually is, but before I do that, I want to talk about what this podcast is going to be like, why I'm doing it, and a little bit about myself. So this podcast, an average episode, will take a game, it'll look at that game, look at the strategies used in the tool assisted speedrun, and talk about how to optimize it and save time. Now, I hope to have guests on the show, guests that have worked on the tool assisted speedrun, um, have done a tool assisted speedrun in the past, or have contributed to that game's community in the past, because I don't know everything about every game, and people in the speedrunning community have a lot of information about it. So why am I doing this podcast? Well, I've found that there are a lot of misconceptions about tool-assisted speedruns. Sometimes people don't know exactly what it is, and I want another user-friendly source out there that talks about tool-assisted speedruns and all the interesting stuff behind them, what we're actually doing, and how we're doing it. Now, there are no tazzing podcasts that I could could find, no podcasts on tool-assisted speedruns, but there are lots of good speedrunning podcasts. So I figured it was about time that we had a Tazzing podcast. I want to make the podcast technical, but I still want it to be understandable. Anyway, a bit about me. I've been playing video games for a very long time. Uh, I grew up with Sega consoles, Mega Drive and Master System, and a lot of N64. I was born in 1996, so it was about the right time for me to really get into N64, and I had Sega from before. So I've had a lot of experience with 2D and 3D games, and I really like retro stuff, although I do play a bit of new games every now and then. And I got interested in speedrunning quite a while ago. I used to watch um, SDA runs of Pokemon and all those, and then, but the really first, the first real speedrun that got me into speedrunning was watching Fox run Donkey Kong 64 at AGDQ 2013. And that really blew my mind, because I'd played Donkey Kong 64 as a kid, and it took me many, many hours to get through it. But Fox just destroyed that game in less than an hour. He used heaps of glitches and stuff that I didn't even know was possible. And it was really crazy to see something that took me so long as a kid being beaten in less than an hour, and it opened my eyes to how different speedruns could be, and how optimized they could get, and yeah, really how interesting they could be. That being said, there were some other speedruns that were focused more on gameplay than just breaking the game with glitches, and they're also very interesting to watch. But yeah, Donkey Kong 64 is really what got me into speedrunning, and I would highly recommend anyone watch Fox's AGDQ 2013 run if they haven't yet. And after getting into speedrunning, I played a lot of Banjo-Kazooie, uh, a lot of Any% Percent especially, a few other games, a few 2D platformers here and there stuff, a few other 3D platformers, a bit of DK64, but after a while I got into tool assisted speedrunning. Now I don't actually remember what the first tool assisted speedrun that I saw was, but it must have been good because I'm still making tool assisted speedruns now. And I've made several tool assisted speedruns over the years uh, for many different consoles. Sega consoles, I've made a Metroid tool assisted speedrun for NES, Uh, Worked on some N64 games, PS1 games, lots of things. So, alright, now I'm going to move into 
what a speedrun actually is before we talk about tool-assisted speedrunning. So a speedrun, pretty much, you take a video game and you beat it as fast as you can. So there's a few different categories for this. There's usually any percent and 100%. So if you're speedrunning 100%, you're basically getting everything in the game, getting the best ending and so on. And any percent is just getting to the end as fast as possible with no restrictions. As I mentioned before with Donkey Kong 64, a lot of speedruns have glitches, and this can cause a bit of controversy because, well, you know, a lot of people would rather see the game played the intentional way without use of glitches. That's a very deep topic that I don't want to get into too much, at least in this episode, but I like glitches, and if you try and ban some glitches, you get into this dicey territory where you're not sure whether some things can be a glitch or not or if they're intended by the developers. So anyway, a lot of speedruns use glitches, but there are some games that have specific glitchless categories, and there are some other games that there just haven't been many glitches found for. So you can usually find something that you like. And if you're interested in getting into speedrunning, I don't want to recommend a specific speedrun or tool-assisted speedrun, but I really think you should just pick a game that you know really well and watch the speedrun or tool-assisted speedrun of it. That's a fantastic way to get started. And getting started if you're picking something to do a speedrun of or make a tool-assisted speedrun of. Anyway, so speedruns, traditionally a lot of them were on SDA, or Speed Demos Archive, and they're on there for a long time. And it's quite historical, and the runs were held to a high standard, usually verified to not be cheating or anything like that. But since then, uh, so SDA only hosted one run, and that was what was supposed to be the world record of that game. But since then, a lot of communities have moved to speedrun.com, which gives you more of a leaderboard style thing. You now you can see first, second, third place, all the way down. Everyone who, it, who has ever done a speedrun of the game, you can see all those runs. And the big difference with SDA and speedrun.com is really that speedrun.com has... Uh, the games communities individually moderating the games leaderboards. With SDA, it was a moderation team for all the games. And so a lot of speedruns are uploaded on YouTube just as videos, and a lot of speedrunners also stream on Twitch. So there are lots of places to find speedruns. And there are also lots of events about speedruns. So there are many speedrunning marathons. The standard one that people will have Heard, on, heard of first is GDQ. So they have AGDQ and SGDQ. Uh, each of those happen every year. And there are a few other marathons like ESA and like heaps and heaps of other ones. Uh, but GDQ is definitely the biggest one. So that's sort of what a speedrun is. You're beating the game as fast as possible. Now, what's a tool-assisted speedrun? Or TAS for short. And I'm going to be saying Taz a lot from now on because I'm really sick of seven minutes of saying tool-assisted speedrun. Okay, a Taz is the demonstration of what a perfect, perfect speedrun would be like without any human error, without any miscalculations, mismovements, without any of that. What is the perfect speedrun like? That's a tool-assisted speedrun. So... Games generally run, a lot of games run at 60 frames per second, let's say that. So rather than having continuous video, uh, they just show you 60 pictures every second really, really quickly, and that gives the illusion of motion. So 
a game just plays at 60 frames a second and on each of those frames you can press buttons. A Taz is literally just a list of what buttons to press on each frame. So basically you turn the console on, if you record what buttons you pressed at every single point of time in the game, that is a tool assisted speedrun, a Taz. So, um, yeah, and tool assisted speedruns obviously are a little bit more technical than that. But you go back and you change things, you make it better, and you decide what the absolute perfect buttons to press are to beat the game as fast as possible. And then the emulator usually plays back those buttons and it, it plays back the game, pressing those exact buttons without any human errors or anything like that. And then it looks like a perfect speedrun. So it's not cheating. That's what I really want to stress. It, tool assisted speedruns, Tazzers, are not cheating. You could press the exact same buttons if you were skilled enough. It is possible to do tool assisted speedruns on a console. There's no game sharks, no hacking, none of that. It is not cheating. But it is not a human playing it. It's usually a human deciding what buttons are pressed, but that human is not pressing those buttons physically in real time. So yeah, that's what a tool assisted speedrun is. It's a list of buttons. That's all it is. And I want to stress as well, tool assisted speedruns are not compared to regular speedruns. So you're not going to see a leaderboard of all these humans and then at the top of it is some program playing back a list of buttons. So you have to be really careful if you ever make a tool assisted speedrun, please label it as a tool assisted speedrun um, because it's not fair to pit humans against essentially machines. Uh, so yeah, we use the word TAS to talk about tool assisted speedruns and with regular speedruns we usually use the term RTA which stands for real time attack which means you actually press the buttons on the controller in real time as the game was playing. It's not playing back a list of buttons. Okay, so how do we actually make tool-assisted speedruns? Well, a lot of people will have played games on emulators, and emulators have handy features like save states and slowdown. So if you've ever played a game with save states, you've probably played through it, gotten up to a really hard bit, made a save state before it, and then kept loading back that save state until you got past the hard bit of the game. So that's pretty much what basic tool assisted speedruns do. They use a lot of save states and they, they play through the game and if they make a mistake then they go back to a save state that they had before and they try again. So pretty much you can imagine like a three second segment of a level Someone who's making a tool assisted speedrun will play that three second segment of a level over and over and over and over and over until it's perfect and then go on to the next three second segment of the level. And every time that they reload a save state, that's called a re-record. So yeah, tool assisted speedruns generally get into the thousands, hundreds of thousands, or in some cases, even millions of re-records. Now, another feature that I mentioned is slowdown. So on a lot of emulators, you can slow down the game to very slow speeds and then you can play through it. So if you had a very technical section of the game, you could slow it down and really, really take your time to press the exact right buttons. So tool assisted speedrunners use that. 
And in fact, they might even slow it down so much that they're actually playing the game frame by frame. So on one frame, they're deciding what button to press, and then they decide what button to press on the next frame. And just to remind you, for most games, there are 60 frames in a second. So this is pretty much what early, early tool assisted speedruns were. So just playing the game with save states and slowdowns, going back, and eventually just getting a list of buttons. And when you played back the tool assisted speedrun, it wouldn't show all your failed attempts at those save states. It would just show the one good one that you kept. And it would play it back seamlessly, and you'd have a video of something that looks superhuman beating a game without any mistakes. And there were also segmented segmented humanly done speedruns and these are actually quite popular on SDA as well. So that's pretty much what Tazzing was. It was basically just kind of like a human playing but with no mistakes. Then we moved into a little bit more modern Tazzing. So I said before that you could play the game frame by frame. So rather than slowing it down to 50% or 25% speed, you could play it frame by frame, choose exactly what you press on each frame, and this became the standard for tazzing. So if you're playing a game at, say, 12% speed or something, that's not good enough. You need to play it frame by frame and make it absolutely perfect. Another thing that we introduced was the RAM watch. So we looked at RAM values. Basically, what this means is, for example, if a character has a position, like how far left or right are they on the screen? The game shows you that as a visual position um, by drawing the character, however far left and right on the screen that is. But the game internally stores that value as a number, and the game stores everything as numbers. So rather than uh, tool-assisted speedrunners trying to do things visually, judging where the character is visually on the screen, they can get really, really precisely down to exactly what pixel the character is on and look at that number, which is way more precise. And um, they can even go to subpixels, which are subpixels are basically like uh, fractional pixels. So the character will look like it's in the same spot on the screen, but it might be a little bit left or right. And the screen doesn't have enough pixels to draw exactly where the character is. Anyway, and then modern tassing had heaps of save states. As I said, we're getting into thousands of re-records here. So Tazzers start to become what we call optimized, which means like really we're pushing the limit of how fast this game could possibly be beaten. And yeah, then we moved into even more modern Tazzing. So we introduced something called Taz Studio, which basically Taz Studio is instead of using save states and actually playing the game like on a controller or on a keyboard, Taz Studio is kind of like a piano roll kind of thing. So if you've ever composed music in like an electronic music composition program, Taz Studio would look very familiar to you because it lists out every frame and exactly what buttons are pressed on every frame. So this isn't technically another big super advantage, but it just makes Tazzing a lot quicker and gives you a more holistic view of what's actually happening. Taz Studio is fantastic and if you're making Tazzers and not using it, I would highly recommend Taz Studio. Or um, in some other emulators, it's called different things. Like in Faso, it's called Taz Editor, I think. So, yeah. And that's one thing that I should touch on as well. The current emulator used for most consoles is called BizHawk. 
and Taz's need to be made on emulators just because it's kind of hard to get the whole system working on console. But usually, and especially for the more well-known systems like the NES, people actually play back Taz's on console, and that's very popular. Anyway, with more modern Tazzing, another thing that happened is Lua scripts. So Lua is a programming language that you can use to kind of interface with the emulator, and you can write code for what to do. So an example of what a Lua script could do is it could take information from the game and, for example, draw your character's hitbox over the top of your character, and then you have a really good visual indication of what the hitbox is doing. Another example of a Lua script is it could actually Taz for you. So a really good example of this is the Gotta Catch Em All, uh, is that right? Co-op Diploma, Taz of Pokemon. It was fairly recent, only a couple of years ago, and it basically played Pokemon Red and Blue at the same time, and it took like four hours and caught all 151 Pokemon. No, 150 because it was glitchless. Yeah, anyway, uh, so that one actually used a lot of scripts, and it got to the point where the author of the Taz didn't even have to press the buttons because it, it, he just fed the script the route and it would do the run, basically. So that's an extremely high-level use of Lua scripting, but there are lots of low-level uses and it's used all over the place. Um, yeah, so modern Tazzing is really fantastic. And with RAM watching as well, you can find out all these internal things that are going in in the game. Like, you can find out exactly what kind of luck is going to happen. Um, and that is usually stored, well, it has to be stored in the RAM. And you can figure out exactly what's going to happen. So a lot of the time you might be wondering with Tazzing, well, you could do the same movement, but wouldn't different things happen with luck? Like in Zelda, for example, wouldn't the enemy drop a bomb sometimes and a heart other times? Or in Pokemon, wouldn't you get a critical hit sometimes and not other times? But really, um, the thing that makes Tazzing possible is computers are deterministic. So if you power it on and press exactly the same buttons, a game is going to do exactly the same things. Now, some newer consoles, this is less true in, like the DS, for example. Uh, it kind of depends on what date you set. But the main point is, computers can do things that look random, but they're not random, because they can't be. So that's what makes Tazzing possible. And the beauty of it is, if you press the same buttons, you're going to get the same luck. And a lot of time, people, uh, speedrunners will call luck RNG, uh, which stands for random number generator, which is what it's called when a computer generates a random number. Although it's not truly random, it's pseudo random. Anyway, so that's sort of what Tazzing, like how you would make a Taz. Uh, in this day and age, you would pick a game, uh, you'd usually have to emulate it, uh, you'd usually use Taz Studio, and you'd use a bunch of Lua scripts and Ramwatch. Not everybody uses Lua scripts and Ramwatch, you don't have to. But if you really want to squeeze out every frame, optimize it, shave off as much time as possible, use a combination of these things, it usually takes, unfortunately, a few weeks or months or maybe even years to make a Taz. But at the end of it, it's really worth it because it's something that the communities around the games really appreciate, especially, especially if they're a bit smaller. And it's really fun. It's very satisfying trying to optimize exactly what's going on in a Taz. And yeah, it's very rewarding. And you don't have to sit there like when you're playing RTA grinding and resetting a bunch of times. 
because you're sort of doing that on a smaller scale. You're going back a few frames each time and fixing up stuff there. So that's sort of that's sort of why I shifted from RTA to Tazzing because I was sick of sitting there resetting and not getting anything done. With Tazzing, I can sit down. I might do a five-second segment of the game in a day, but at the end of the day, it's worth it because I've achieved something Tazzing. It's really fun, and if you haven't tried it, I would highly recommend you get into it. So where on earth can you actually find Tazzers? Where do you find tool-assisted speedruns? As I said, we never, ever, ever compare Tazzers to regular human speedruns, RTA. Never do it. Never, ever. So that sort of implies that Tazzers can't be found on speedrun.com, which is where you would normally find RTA runs. Conveniently, there's a website called tazvideos.org, and I will definitely, definitely put that in the description. Tazvideos.org is the hub for Tazzing, basically. It lists all the movies that they have. Movies are obviously verified because you can't just upload a video and go, hey, look, this is a Taz. You actually have to upload the list of buttons that you press to tazvideos.org, and they play it back to make sure that what your Taz did is actually possible in the game if you press the right buttons. So tazvideos.org is really great. It's got lots of movies, lots of forums where you can discuss Tazzing, and lots of really good things to help you get started, lots of resources, and it's a really great central place to find Tazzers. Now, unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, not every Taz ever is on tazvideos.org. So if you think, oh, fantastic, this game is not on Taz videos, therefore there's not a Taz, then you might have to look a little bit harder. Um, one of the prime examples that I remember is Metroid Prime, uh, in which case they made a Taz of it, and unfortunately a desync happened, which meant that, well, uh, the buttons were being pressed, but something little happened, and then they sort of got a little bit off. And if the buttons that you're pressing are slightly off, then, well, different things are going to happen. Like, if some different kind of luck happens, then everything goes downhill. It's a snowball effect. So that Taz is not on Taz videos. As far as I know, I haven't checked recently. But um, you can Google it and watch a video of it. And we know that it's sort of proper. It's just unfortunate that there was a desync. Um, another thing also is something called a LOTAD, L-O-T-A-D, stands for Low Optimization Tool Assisted Demonstration. And what that is, is a LOTAD is basically like a TAS, except the author of it didn't spend ages and ages trying to optimize everything. They just sort of went through, they did it really, really good, but they didn't spend, say, weeks on a five-second segment trying to save one more frame. They just said, okay, I'm leaving it here. This is good, and let's move on. There are many fantastic low tads, um, and it's really great because there are so many low tads um, compared to Tazis. Like, you have to think, people have to take out, you know, in some cases over a year of their life to do a Taz, and it's hundreds or thousands of hours of work that you have to put into it. With a low tad, it's still probably hundreds of hours of work, but you can get through it much faster. Um, I would recommend the Donkey Kong 64 101% low tad. Um, there has been some new strategies found since then, but uh, that's still a really good watch. And um, the NLE low tad for Donkey Kong 64. 
and max percent moveless for Donkey Kong 64. You can tell I like Donkey Kong 64. Um, there are a few Ocarina of Time low tads as well that are really good. And yeah, so for these kind of big, large scale 3D games, a lot of the time, because they're so complicated, you've got a whole third dimension. Uh, people don't just have time to make another Taz when, say, a 10 second time save is found. And these things stack up and eventually there's minutes of time save and no new Taz. And that's just because it takes so long to turn over new Tazes when new things are found. So anyway, uh, back to the point, low Tads. Uh, you pretty much just have to Google search them. These are kept on usually the author's individual YouTube channels or Twitch pages or wherever they're hosting them. And it's really good. So yeah, if you're wondering if a Taz for a game that you like exists, look on Taz videos first, I would say. And then maybe do some searching around for low Tads or Tazes of that game. Or on Taz videos, there might be a WIP, which stands for work in progress of that game. So there are lots of places to find Tazzes. There are lots of fantastic Tazzes out there. And as I said with speedrunning, if you're looking at getting into tool-assisted speedruns, pick a game that you know and watch the tool-assisted speedrun for it. And there are a lot of tool-assisted speedruns, so it's likely that you will be able to find a Taz of a game that you know. Um, some that I could recommend include... Well, Mario 64 is very good. The One Key Taz is fantastic, and it's had years of work put into it. Uh, the Taz blocks at GDQ are also really good. Um, there was one Taz block where they did uh, Mega Man and Sonic Advance. Unfortunately, I can't remember what year that was in, but that is my favorite Taz block. Um, the Taz blocks these days generally focus on... Uh, showing off Taz's on newer consoles and what's possible with Tazzing and also what's possible with uh, Ace, which is arbitrary code execution, uh, rather than uh, just straight up playing back Taz movies because they did that for a few years and it got less interesting after they did that. But uh, if you want to have a look at those, Ace is really interesting and that's a whole other topic that I haven't touched on. Um, which is basically like uh, Ace is a glitch that is so bad that you can pretty much make the game do anything that you want it to do. So an example is in Pokemon. So the Taz of that game, you can beat Pokemon Yellow in like zero minutes, essentially. It's 50 seconds or something along those lines. And um, that uses a glitch that gets you to the end really quickly. But you can do a variation on that glitch, which basically lets you break the game so much that you can actually write your own code into the game, and then people can do all sorts of crazy things. And that's sort of more of a play around Taz, where rather than just getting to the end of the game quickly, they're doing play around things and sort of messing around, being entertaining. And that's the other thing about tool assisted speedruns, is that they try to be as entertaining as possible. So if there's a little bit where it's like an auto-scroller, you have to wait for a boss to do something, something like that, the Tazza will usually do what's called play around and mess around with the Taz, do crazy things with the physics, and keep you entertained while you're waiting. And that's what's great about Tazzas, because they can do that without the risk of dying, because if they die, they just go back and change it. So yeah, and there are some Tazzas, as I said, that don't even get to the end of the game, they just play around. So show off a bunch of cool tricks in the game, for example. And Ace, or Arbitrary Code Execution, is one example of this. 
If you haven't seen it, I would highly recommend you watch some arbitrary code execution. You'll be able to find a lot in the AGDQ TAS blocks. But um, I would highly recommend also watching uh, kind of more standard TASs that just get from the start of the game to the end of the game. Yeah, so that's pretty much all I wanted to talk about in this episode. That's what this podcast is going to be like. Uh, I hope people are looking forward to it. And if you have feedback or any uh, topics that you would like me to discuss on this show, if you'd like to come on this show and talk about your Taz, then you can leave a comment. You can contact me on Discord if we happen to share a channel. I'm in lots of Discord channels. Um, But yeah, the best place would be in the YouTube comments because I'll be checking that on this episode. This episode will be uploaded to YouTube as will the other episodes and... I'll I'll see if I start putting it elsewhere other than YouTube. But thanks for making it this far, and hopefully you enjoyed it, and let me know what you thought. Thanks for watching and listening.